Hi friends, it's Susan Blackwell from The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creativity where our doors are open. And if you smell something delicious, that's because Laura Camion and I have been cooking up something special, something designed to make a big difference in people's creative lives. Enter The Brave Creative, a free five-day guided adventure to rediscover the vitality energy, and possibility in your creative process. Whether you're a writer, a performer, a baker, a candlestick maker, navigating the creative process can be a bear. But never fear, there's power in numbers at the Spark File. So let's link arms and make the trip together. It's May 13th through 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern, less than one hour per day. And if you can't join live, don't worry about it. You can watch the replay. Join us by going to thesparkfile.com to register. And hey, if you're not familiar with The Spark File, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Secondly, we work with hundreds of creatives of all different kinds who are ready to take their next big step. We help folks fear less and create more in a community that is so fun and vibrant. And if you have joined us before, know that we are going deep with the Brave Creative. So buckle up, Buttercup. It is going to be an awesome adventure. Go to thesparkfile.com to register, but do it soon because it all starts May 13th. Thesparkfile.com. Register now. The Sparkfile podcast may contain profanity and other adult content. Please use your discretion. When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark file. To be something that I want to make or how I want to be, I pump it in my spark file. I jump into my spark Welcome to the Spark File, where we believe that everyone is creative, but smart, creative people don't go it alone. I'm Laura Camion. And I'm Susan Blackwell, and we are creativity coaches who help people fear less, create more, and bring their creative visions to life. If you are an OG member of the Spark File community, welcome back, Sparkler. If you're joining us for the first time, hi, welcome, friend. Hi. Hi. Know that just by listening to this podcast, you're joining a warm and wonderful clan of creatives. But you may be asking yourself, what exactly is a Spark File? A Spark File is a place where you consistently collect all your inspirations and fascinations. If you're like us and making stuff all the time, or you want to be making stuff all the time, you know that if you're not careful, your campfire of creativity can flicker out. But don't despair. We're collecting kindling in the form of fresh ideas, images, and inspiration that spark creativity and peak curiosity to light a fire under our collective asses to make things like this podcast. Or ways of using your creativity to support people who need it most. Mm. Every episode, we're going to reach into our spark files and exchange some sparks. And from time to time, we're going to talk to some folks who spark us as well. That means we've got more sparks than we can possibly use in this lifetime. So true. So if something lights you up, we encourage you to please take that thing and make something out of it. And without further ado, let's open up the the spark spark file. file. Laura. Suze, I feel subdued, subdued today. Do you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little bit. I don't know. Sometimes like I was listening to my voice as I was talking. Do you ever do that? 
yes. both talking <laughs> and listening. Oh, yes. And I was like, I feel a little bit ever so slightly in slow motion. You know what? I think it's just fine. Let's Great. let's let it be okay. If people put their like listening setting on like one and a half times, then I think I might sound normal. <laughs> and I will sound slightly sped up. But that's okay too. <laughs> Thanks everyone for working with us today. Hey, listen, yeah? I feel like it's a good time to talk about how I have now caught up with you and probably the rest of the world. And I'm completely done watching the Anna Delvey inventing <gasps> Anna extravagantacular. Yes, I finished mm. it. Uh, mm. And there's only been more con stories come out now. I there was some a new ones on Netflix that I haven't even cracked into yet. But I was like, wow, that took a hot second. It's like a real fun little tributary in the true crime world, these con stories. It sure is. I'm just so curious, like, what is the psychological makeup of somebody who uses that much firepower and that much creativity to do that with it? You know, it's so interesting because they don't really delve into that. And I that's one of the regrets, I guess, that I wish that that show had gone into a little bit further. Well, I'll tell you, I think they might not know. I think they can speculate, but one of the reasons they might not, I feel like the reporter character yeah. who is, you know, seeking, 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 seeking yeah. that and flummoxed, it, I feel like at every turn. Yeah. I mean, this really is a spoiler. So if you haven't watched it, like skip ahead 30 Just seconds. Just go like this. La, la, la. La, 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 la. When she goes to meet Anna Delvey's parents, I, I feel like the closest they come to it is the one line of dialogue where she's like really trying to get into the parents' business. And the, and the mom says, I know you want to come here and discover that, oh, obviously with these two monsters as parents, they created a monster. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we're not monsters. And she has always been this way. I don't know what to tell you. I think they, she's always been a stranger to us. She's always been a stranger to us. And and kind of like they couldn't understand her either. Yeah. And, and I feel like the show kind of left it there. But then I also thought it took a really interesting turn. Complete spoiler alerts now. La la la. La la la. Was it weird at all that they started like rooting for her, like as though she's someone up against the patriarchy? And I also, I know she's a con person. And so cons are going to con and people are going to get conned. But I was like, this person has been depicted. I don't mm -hmm. know her. I don't know enough about her. But That's right. This person has been depicted as the most repellent criminal not the most, yeah. but pretty gross, like waving $100 bills in people's faces to get their attention. And just yeah. like so many parts of it, putting people in distress and not giving a shit about it. Yep. There are people that do worse things, but I was like, uh, you know, so of course I'll have to stay at your house. And, <laughs> you know, like, just like the most privileged asshole. And yeah. that then they're just like fighting for, I guess, this person that they've invested in. So they care. And I was like, no, boo. 
Boo. Boo. But I think this is one of the reasons, and Laura, your words keep ringing in my ear from the, the episode of the podcast you did. Ooh, which ones? I sort of believe that I would not fall prey to that. I feel like I would be the person that's like, again, spoiler, la la la, that's like the, the videographer when they're on their travels, who's like, I'm not putting my credit card down. I think I'd be that person. I'd be like, no, this is awkward and I'm not doing that. Did I say that? What are the that what people I... believe that they are not capable of being conned? That is correct. That's right. That we all think like, well, that isn't me. I mean, I but don't know how you like slippery slide down into that. Watching that show, I feel like there were people that were just like, absolutely not. And then there were people that were like, well, are we sure? And then slowly like slipped into the con. Well, I think that's right. That's right. I feel like that videographer character you mentioned, I mean, he just like stepped on board and there was no way he was being paid to be there. He wasn't going to leave his credit card, but the other relationships that start slower. Yes. And it's like leaving your door just slightly cracked yes. and yes. someone just like push, 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 pushing until it's wide open. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, it's fascinating, but I kind of thought they, it, it took a strange turn with their cheering for her. I felt like they were trying to make it a little bit like, you know, when people kind of felt protective of Martha Stewart, who went to jail for what many people are like, what the heck? Like this insider trading, it goes mm -hmm. on among men everywhere mm -hmm. on wall street. Mm -hmm. And why did she go to jail for it? I felt like there was a little bit of that energy of like, well, men get away with this. And she's like trying to make her way in a man's world. And so, yeah, I just thought it was the strangest turn. I was like, have we forgotten her friends that are still trying to pay back yeah. $60,000 that yeah. will take them a long time to do? I just, I don't know. It took a strange turn. Yeah. We were not loving the last episode, but all in all, very compelling. And I continue to think about it. So your spark, mwah, so good. Mwah, right back at you. In any event, would you like, want a freshie? Want a fresh spark? I would love a fresh spark. I'm ready. I'm open to it. All right. Laura Camion, I know you have a big open heart, so I'm going to tread, tread lightly and thoughtfully. <sighs> okay. Um, I want to talk about the harrowing time that that the world is experiencing we of course have mm. been emerging from this pandemic yep. and then here we go slamming into this major conflict oh. instigated by vladimir putin so if you've been really focused on a creative deadline or if you have been as they say on smash in tech let's just the quick <laughs> bullet points on February 24th, 2022, Russian President Vladimir Putin launched a devastating attack on Ukraine, a European democracy of 44 million people. And now Europe is witnessing its first major war in decades, and Ukrainians are now the front line in the global struggle for democracy. And citizens just taking up arms, like been given arms to... Citizens, mm -hmm. that's right. Uh, every night we have been watching the news and I, you know, I've said it before on this podcast, but I'll say it again. I watch enough news from credible sources and listen to enough news, just enough to be socially responsible, but not so much that I lose my mind. 
and uh, and what a privilege it is to be able to turn it off when I want to. So the images that are coming out of Ukraine are so scary and mm-hmm. so devastating and so unbelievable. There, it's just unbelievable that this is happening. Yeah, it's so unnecessary. These people whose lives have been thrust into chaos. Can you imagine if you're a man between the ages of 18 and 60, you are prohibited from leaving the country and you're encouraged to, as Laura just said, take up arms and defend it. And, you know, I was thinking about it, Laura. Of course, I immediately think about my husband, my brother, my nephews, my, you know, my, I guess my dad would, would be able to get through because of his age. But then I, I was thinking about if you're trans and your gender doesn't match the markings on your passport, mm-hmm. you may be trapped in a country under siege, mm-hmm. unable to cross the border. Mm-hmm. And I started do, reading a little bit about that. And it's just so harrowing. That's exactly what's happening to people. And also, so then I assume from what I've read, then if you're a woman, the expectation is uh, if you have children, you are saying goodbye to your That's right. male loved ones. Yep. That's leaving right. with the children in hopes that you can get them to safety. Yeah. Some women I believe are staying. I don't know if there's a correlation. Like, are they the childless ones that are like, I, I'm not, I don't have kids to get across the border. I'm going to stay right here. I don't know, but I do know some of them are. And I do wonder about that. Like would I leave Wes? I don't think so. I think people are making hard decisions about mm-hmm. Who stays? Who goes? So many people have become refugees. Uh, mm. So many people are. You've, we've seen those pictures, perhaps, of people sleeping in subway cars, sleeping in mm-hmm. you know subway tunnels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes with their pets. Like it is. Oh. People are losing their families, their homes, their lives, their pets, their livelihoods, their life's work if they have to leave it behind. And it's. I heard this story in preparation for this podcast about this was from a podcast called music ally and it was an interview with a woman named Dartsya tarkovska from music export ukraine and this so this is like a young woman in the music industry and she was telling the story about uh this band and how Like this week, they were supposed to be releasing an album and touring to support it. And instead, what they're doing is signing up, joining the military to fight for their country. Wow. So can you imagine like you're an artist, uh, just to get very like specific, you're creative. And like all of us, like all humans, like we have plans, we have these things we're making that we're, you know, bringing to life, things we're excited about futures that we're stepping into. And then all of a sudden, because one fucking asshole decides that to instigate this attack, all of a sudden your life is like turned upside down and you have a gun in your hand. It is just devastating and it's senseless and it's infuriating. And as we say around the spark file, if something gives you a visceral feeling, it could be an indication to create something And furthermore, that visceral feeling may provide the fuel to make something as well. Yes. If you have the visceral feeling and you're privileged enough to, you know, be in a safe place, you could focus your energy on creating something. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's right. So this episode, 
I just want to explore some of the ways creatives are responding to oh. Russia's attack on Ukraine. Yes. Yes. I need this spark in my life. Thank you, Susan. I'm here for you. And I'm here for all of you oh. listeners. So depending on what kind of creative you are, this, of course, can take so many forms. So let's take a little tour, shall we? Mm-hmm. First up, uh, I want to direct your attention to the website creativesforukraine.com. I learned about this site from an article on creativeboom.com. The article was written by Katie Cowan. And Katie writes, we all know when big events shake the world, the creative community usually responds with art and design to spread positive messages of support. These sometimes share a hashtag and gather momentum, tying them to a charity to allow anyone to get involved and give back. But sometimes they get lost in the noise and miss an opportunity to make a real impact. Creatives for Ukraine hopes to address this issue and go a step further by providing a platform where these images are available to download at a higher resolution so they can be spread more easily. So according to Katie's article, this new platform that just, just, just launched encourages the global creative community to share photographs, images, illustrations, and art to give a face to the war in Ukraine. And the founders of Creatives for Ukraine believe creativity is a significant weapon at showing what is happening in the Eastern European country. So Creatives for Ukraine was created by three Lithuanian firms, the design agency Folk, Blue Oceans PR, which I assume is a PR firm, and the digital studio VSBL. And the founder of VSBL is a person, and I I hope I'm getting the name pronunciation correct, named Darius Rochevik. And Darius said, this is our quickest project yet. In 24 hours, we have built a platform by pausing all non-essential work as it is so important to illustrate what is happening in Ukraine, which I just want to take a moment and say, how amazing it is. I mean, we're this Lithuanian firm talking about their livelihoods and they're like, they're pushing pause on that non-essential work because they have a visceral feeling that this is really, really important. I, if we could pause for just one second. Pause that pause. Yes. Do we know of any U.S. companies that have done anything like that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. And I would like to know if there are and people know of them, please do tell us because I'm very curious. It's so contrary to the, you know, what we've talked about so many times before is that hustle and productivity, the idea of stopping what we're doing to help others. Yeah. It's more like we should be helping others, but but folks, that'll be on your free time, you know, not, not, not during these work hours. I'm curious. Yeah. Cause I, I, that is so commendable. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a great question. So if anyone knows the answer, please let us know the spark file at gmail.com. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Um, so illustrations shared on creatives for Ukraine.com on that platform, those illustrations are open for individual users and media outlets all over the world to use when they need to illustrate the situation in Ukraine. The platform will not have any commercial use, but will ask to credit creatives if work is shared 
elsewhere. So the images are primarily images of what's happening there? Well, the images that I have looked at, and I've sort of scrambled through, there's a lot of artwork. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of, but different sorts of things. So some is almost like a very high level political cartoon. Mm -hmm. Like it has that sort of vibe and that sort of messaging. It reminds me of Bonnie Siegler when she came to talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, different signs of protest and that exploration that she's done. And some of it is much more abstract, sort of beautiful abstract. The colors that are being used predominantly are blue and yellow. So there's a lot of art that incorporates blue and yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take a spin. Go yeah, to creativesforukraine.com and take a look. And I, I actually think, Laura, it'd be great. And of course, we want to credit the the artists, but I think it'd be great to use it when we post this episode. Let's make sure we share some of that art as we well. We absolutely will. I'm sure I'm going to pronounce this name wrong, but please bear with me. Justina Muralite Kozlova from the design agency Folk, who is one of the three firms who created this platform, said, we can contribute in a meaningful way to help fight fake news and give Westerners something visual to make them comprehend the gravity of the situation. We also invite everyone who is looking to help fight the information war in a practical way. It's their chance to share illustrations or art depicting the war in Ukraine. Again, you can check it all out at the website creativesforukraine.com. Cams, you and I have talked before on this very podcast recently about the power of storytelling and how it can be used for the powers of good or for bad Mm -hmm. and how advertising is a great example of that. Taken for the powers of bad, it can be propaganda, but advertising is a great example of really powerful storytelling. And along that vein, another creative response to the situation in Ukraine was written about in an Adweek article by Brittany Kiefer. And I'm going to read from Brittany's article. A group of agency professionals and freelancers from Ukraine's creative industry has issued a weighty brief to the global creative community help prevent a third world war. The Prevent WW3 project calls on creative specialists from around the world, including those in Russia who do not support the war, to use their skills to help Ukraine in its war against Russia and support peace and freedom. The website preventww3.in.ua reads, you are looking at the most important brief ever. It aims to help stop World War III, which is breaking out in Ukraine. Your work may not win Cannes, but it will help save the lives of millions. So, of course, they're referring to the Cannes Film Festival. And I think it's amazing that they are targeting people who their talents, you know, sell products and in some ways like influence and make change around the world. And they're, they're asking them to use those talents to find creative ways to prevent world war three. I think that's, it's just an incredible acknowledgement of um, their awareness of the power that they have. Yeah. They really do have persuasive powers and when used for good, It can change the world. Yeah, they offer four really specific ways, sort of four buckets of ways that they want to engage creative specialists from all over the world 
to make a statement that supports peace and freedom. And these are the four ways that the site suggests different creative tasks that, that you can undertake. One, inspire your citizens to donate. Mm. I actually think that is, this Big. is what, yeah, this is what ad people do. It's just amazing. Yeah. Number two, and here it gets, we're getting into it. Persuade the NATO alliance to close the sky over Ukraine. Mm. How, how about that? Like, how about wow. that for using wow. your creative powers for influence? Number three, hack Russian propaganda to provide Russians with the unfiltered truth. Yes. Shit's getting deep. Yes. Number four, encourage world companies and brands to shut down their offices in Russia. Some of this we're seeing. So this is like moonshot thinking. Yeah. Which is, it's thrilling to think. It's sort of a, a call to people, these creative people, to put your best ideas forwards. And these really are plausible. If you've got the skills to do this, we do know of companies like Apple that has stopped selling products in Russia. They can be persuaded. Yeah. They totally can be persuaded. And if you've got the skills, the computer skills to hack into Russian propaganda. I didn't, I, I think I saw even one of their TV stations, everyone walked off. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I saw that anonymous hacked, mm -hmm. hacked the, all the different channels and yeah. was um, broadcasting images of what's really happening in Ukraine so that the Russian people wow. would know. Wow. Yeah. So this week, Serhiy Malik, who is creative director for a Kyiv-based agency called Angry, Serhiy sent a dispatch to Adweek describing the united response from Ukraine's creative community to the war. He wrote, creative specialists from other countries can help Ukraine to defend its land, too. All of you who sit with us in various ad festival juries, all of you who communicate with us on social media, all of you who we meet at Brune and Khan help us. So, you know, really like sent out this dispatch through Adweek to these creatives, you know, hopefully influencing them to put their brains to this. According to Adweek, advertising and marketing professionals from around the world have already responded to prevent WW3's call to action and creatives who want to get involved with the prevent WW3 project can email prevent ww3inua at gmail.com. So if you've got a big idea, if you're listening to this podcast, you got a big idea, send it in. Um Suze, is that three like the number three or as in Roman numeral three? It is it's the only numerical digit in that prevent ww the number three inua at gmail.com. Okay. So Russia's attack on Ukraine has had another interesting impact on creativity. You all know the Metropolitan Opera from episodes of this podcast. And well, because it's the largest performing arts institution in the United States. Did you know that, Laura ah, I did not know that. It is. I wow. don't. I mean, I knew they were gigantic, but I was like, yeah, they're the largest performing arts institution in the U.S. And that wow. sort of blew my mind. That made me feel very proud. Do you know, uh, I apologize if I'm getting too deep, but do you know what is that based on? Like their number of employees, the number of performances? I don't know if it's the reach. size of the house, how many seats, yeah. how much, how big their budget is. I have no idea. Wow. 
Yeah. That's very cool. And yeah. we love the Met. Well, just a few days ago, the Met's general manager, Peter Gelb, said that the House would no longer work with artists or institutions that support Putin or are supported by him. Wow. Not until the invasion and killing has been stopped, order has been restored, and restitutions have been made. Yes. So, I mean, Peter Gelb, I know that people, oh gosh, I would not want Peter Gelb's job for all the money in the world. It seems like just a very, very difficult job to have. And I know people sometimes are critical of Peter Gelb, but I have to say, way to put a foot down. And subsequent to that, Peter Gelb defended the Met's stance, saying that the company would still welcome many Russian artists Mm -hmm. and perform Russian music. Mm -hmm. He noted that the Met is currently rehearsing a production of Tchaikovsky's uh, Eugene Onegin that features several Russian artists. Mm -hmm. And in an article in the New York Times written by Javier Hernandez, Peter Gelb is quoted as saying, we are not undertaking an artistic witch hunt. We are not interviewing or interrogating interrogating any artists about their positions, which I think is a really important point, Laura. Yeah. This isn't about persecuting Russian artists. I want to make that super duper clear. It is about taking a stand against a warmongering tyrant. And so if he's, if they are not investigating and digging in, he's really talking about artists who have made their support of Putin public publicly known yes. or Putin's support of them publicly known. Yeah. So mostly it seems like there's the artist's support of Putin. So after making that declaration, then the Met announced that one of their marquee artists, Russian soprano, Anna Netrebko, who sidebar is a big deal in the world of opera. Yeah. Like a real big deal and has a long, long relationship with the Met. Anna Netrebko will not appear in the upcoming months due to her failure to distance herself from Russian President Vladimir Putin. Wow. And according to an NPR article written by Anastasia Stolkis, Netrebko has figured prominently at the Met during Gelb's tenure. In Thursday's announcement, Gelb called her one of the greatest singers in Met history, but added, with Putin killing innocent victims in Ukraine, there was no way forward. Can I just say this and ask this? What the tricky part is, what if it isn't safe for an artist to condemn Putin? Like if they, do they live in Russia and they won't ever be able to come back or they feel their life is in danger? Or would there be a threat to their family? Yes, or their family. That's a really, really good question. From the reading that I did, I didn't get the impression that that was the position that Anna Netrebko was in. I got the impression that Anna Netrebko is allied with Putin and they seem like they've been fans of each other for kind of a while. And she was willing to publicly condemn the war, but was not willing in any way to distance herself from Putin. Interesting. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that most immediately, Netrebko will be replaced at the Met by a Ukrainian soprano. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in performances of Puccini's opera Turandot, beginning April 30th, Ludmilla Monastirska will be uh, replacing Anna Netrebko. So 
Wow. Ukraine. So if, yeah, if you're in a position to make those types of decisions. Yeah. I have to yeah. believe that was not accidental. No. I, yeah. I'm I guessing. Imagine. But also I'm sure, I'm sure that Ludmilla is also an amazing soprano that too. This decision this and Peter Gelb's statement means that the Met will likely end its collaboration with the Bolshoi Theater mm-hmm. from Moscow, mm-hmm. including on a new production that was scheduled to come in next season. Mm. And the Met has said that it has decided to build its own sets and make its own costumes for that production that the Bolshoi had been expected to handle. And it means that the Met is scrambling. Like it's those opera, it's like turning a cruise ship around. Yeah, it's um, not easy. It's not easy. But Peter Gelb said, my hope is that at some point the relationship between the Met and the Bolshoi can resume, mm-hmm. but I don't see any present or immediate resolution as long as Putin is calling the shots it's not going to happen. And I just want to take a moment and say, I do feel deeply for those artists yeah. who are getting caught yeah. in the artists of all different types, not just like dancers in the Bolshoi Ballet, but also people who make costumes and people who make sets and all sorts of creatives that are getting caught in the crossfire of this. Well, for sure. Because if you think about, I mean, what if, we were, you and I were taking our show to Edinburgh or, or somewhere else, anywhere on the globe. And it had been determined that Trump's behavior was so reprehensible. That's right. Yes. I th- that yes. You, they would not be accepting American artists or even, you know, allowing us to travel is one thing, but allowing us to do our creative work. It's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. It's hard to see, but it's not the artist that anyone's trying to hurt. It's the bigger institution. And it is Putin. Obviously, they're trying to impact one little blow at a time. But from what I've read, these, you know, the Bolshoi and artists like Anna Netrebko, mm-hmm. certain um, sports outfits, certain athletes, these are major points of pride for Putin. And so these sort of strategic sanctions. Yes. Yeah. They're going to hurt. Yeah. And that's what we hope for. Don't want to hurt the artist, but we have to pull all the levers that we can. Yeah. So the next thing I want to share is it's just a bit of creativity that I admire for its creativity. And I'm not sure whose idea this was originally, but I saw it on the Instagram of Quentin Quarantino whom I really enjoy. Laura, do you follow <laughs> Quentin Quarantino? I feel like we've talked about Quentin Quarantino Quent- on this it's, podcast before. It's Quentin.Quarantino on Instagram. And that is the nom de plume or the nom de meme of a meme artist named Tommy Marcus. Very talented, very talented Tommy Marcus. You might be familiar with their work. Last year, Tommy Marcus, as Quentin Quarantino, posted a screenshot of their $100 Planned Parenthood donation, along with the comment, would it be terrible if we raised $10,000 for Planned Parenthood because Rush Limbaugh hilariously is deceased? So, you know, that post went viral. Mm-hmm. And over $1 million was donated in memory of conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh, who was infamous for his racist, homophobic, and sexist rants. So Mm. all of these people made donations to Planned Parenthood expressly in the memory of Rush Limbaugh. Wow. And 
According to this article on hyperallergenic.com, written by Valentina Delicia, what started out as an inside joke between thousands of strangers online became a veritable phenomena that speaks to the power of memes and digital visual culture to mobilize change. In that article, Tommy Marcus, aka Quentin Quarantino, said, it's been unspeakably meaningful to me to see so much good grow from such a bitter and dangerous legacy. I, I'm telling you, we've got to get Tommy Marcus working on the Prevent WW3 brief. Yes. Yes. I, do, I, I believe that well-crafted humor can really cut through and move people to action. That's right. And uh, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. No, I was just thinking about that article that was written um, about like the power of, of comedy to combat Trump because like Trump, Putin has a large ego. So yes. knowing that millions of people are laughing at them is actually another way to land a blow, land a blow on them. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Truly. And I was just reading the other day this article about uh, this being the world's first TikTok war. Yes, that's right. It's our social media feeds that are actually allowing the truth to get through, yeah. which is not what they've been known for. And, you know, we've been coming down on them right. on this podcast and elsewhere for the propagation of lies and untruths. But in this case, it is the one way that the people of Russia are able to see what's actually happening on supposedly on their behalf and in their yeah. names. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. Recently, Quentin Quarantino shared what I thought was a really creative spark. So Quentin wrote on their uh, post on Instagram, yesterday I shared an idea to support Ukraine by booking rooms for rent on Airbnb. 24 hours later, hundreds of people are booking Airbnbs in Ukraine as a way of sending immediate monetary assistance to people in hard hit areas. And in the captions, they wrote a few things to note. Number one, if you want to do this too, try to pick small apartments slash rooms for rent in cities that have been hit hard by bombing. Book the rooms for as close to this date as possible as the payment goes through once the booking date occurs. Also make sure to tell the host you will not be coming. Please note that Airbnb is not charging fees in Ukraine right now. So if you want to get money, directly to a, I know, Laura, it got me too. Sorry. It got me too. But if you want to send some fun surprise money to a person who may, a person, like a real human individual in Ukraine who may really need it, go on Whose and Whose apartment it. might not even exist anymore, by the That's way. Right. The space that they are, you know, That's renting right. could be destroyed. And That's yeah, correct. that just, that got yeah, me. That, yeah, me too. So here's another idea. This is something I've done. Perhaps you all will join me. Support Ukrainian merchants on Etsy, whether digital downloads or physical goods that you specify need not be delivered. So Laura, I went on to Etsy <sighs> and I just searched Ukrainian digital download and I just started buying things. Wow. I looked for ones that looked like they were in the product description that they were actual individuals. And yeah. I started buying some beautiful, this is what got me. There were drawings by kids. Yeah. And it's a way that, you know, usually the parent is an artist and they have yeah. 
an account on Etsy and they'll, they maybe they've got a kid who loves to draw yeah, and they will post their drawings. And so I've got some great digital downloads <sighs> that we, I think we should also put in our Instagram post. Oh, I love that. Please uh, send them over. We'll post. Um, I love that. And my mind, of course, is flashing back to last week and con artists. And I just think to myself for both this Airbnb and Etsy, for how long will that be a pure way that you can trust to get money to the right people before some con artists put up some fake accounts and hope that you will buy from them? Yeah, that's, that's completely possible. Look at me. I'm jaded. Well, you know, I had that thought while I was, uh, but I was like, it's not so much money that I feel like that's right. There was, I just read an article before we jumped on this recording. I read another article on CNN about even with specific recommendations of people that you could support via Etsy. So, you know, Yeah. yeah, do with a little bit of homework. You can feel rest assured you're getting it to someone who needs it. Yeah. But I had the same thought and I was like, I'm going to roll the dice. Yeah. I'm going to roll the dice. And if nothing else, I got some kind of not that pricey kids art that I can put Mm -hmm. on my refrigerator. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. So the aforementioned Quentin Quarantino has been posting up a storm about Russia's attack on Ukraine. And this caught my eye and it goes back to the power of storytelling Quentin Quarantino wrote, the invasion of Ukraine has been diligently planned over a long period of time. Given that it's 2022, this also means that there is a war being fought on the internet. Be mindful of the content you're consuming and the sources it's coming from. The most important action you can currently take is sharing as much truth on what is happening in Ukraine far and wide. Russia is no stranger to cyber warfare and this situation is no different misinformation will be spread as far as they can take it. I also think this gets into, you know, what do we make of it? But really, like, all of this is unfolding in real time. So that means all of the sources might be a little bit shaky. But in so much as you can really rely on reliable sources. And if you're, if you are sharing out information, just try to make sure it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes overly sensationalized. It's hard in a situation like this, because obviously there are things that are true that we are shocked by. Yes. But if it goes a step, even a step beyond that, just pause before sharing. Speaking of sharing, I'm going to share this with you. In an article by Umberto Bacchi on weforum.org, they discussed creative ways that the tech industry is being used to support Ukrainians. One of them utilizes our new old friend, the non-fungible token, aka NFTs. NFTs, if you're not familiar, get ready because they're coming for you. NFTs are digital assets representing a unique digital item. And sometimes they sell at very high prices and they're utilizing NFTs to collect funds to support people in Ukraine. So the Russian punk band Pussy Riot, which has run up against trouble with our friend Vladimir Putin, this Russian punk band has joined forces with crypto groups Trippy Labs and Ukraine DAO to auction off the NFT of a Ukrainian flag and donate the proceeds to a local charity. Mm. And 
the band wrote on Twitter, our goal is to raise funds to donate to Ukrainian civilian organizations who help those suffering from the war that Putin started in Ukraine. I think that the auction is now closed, but before it was closed, users could pool resources into a single bid and receive in exchange love tokens that, according to Ukraine DAO's website, have no utility nor value, but are a beautiful testament and reminder of your contribution to a noble cause. And per a CNN article dated March 3rd, so far, that little NFT has raised almost $7 million. Oh, wow. So you better support Ukraine, Pussy Riot. It's so punk rock. Come on. so punk rock. Just wow. amazing. I was just knocked out by that. So let, let's talk about some what do we make of it. Let's talk about it. Oof. As I yeah. just mentioned, I made a bunch of Etsy purchases. That's right. Digital downloads. Yep. Beautiful art rain, running the gamut from kids art all the way to very sophisticated art that according to the product description, uh, hopefully is really going to real human beings. In the shop of Julia Data Paint, that's J-U-L-I-A, D-A-T-T-A paint. The Etsy shop owner, Julia, is a painter and she has a daughter named Sophia. And in Julia's words on their Etsy page, my daughter Sophia loves to draw and loves Ukraine very much. She decided to draw these wonderful drawings for you, which I hope you will like too. Now my family from Ukraine has left their home in Kyiv and is in Lviv as refugees. And we don't know if we can go back home. We are safe as refugees and your help helps us a lot. May the Lord bless you and your loved ones. Peace to all of you. Yeah. So in the shop Digital Image UK, which stands not for United Kingdom, but Ukraine, Digital Image UK, run by Polina in Kyiv, I purchased a great digital piece that looks like it was illustrated in the 60s. It has this very like mid-century. I just, it's beautiful. I love it. So those are a few what do we make of it. If you are an upper level teacher, maybe not for the littles, but maybe if you're like a college teacher, maybe you teach juniors or seniors, maybe you issue the Prevent WW3 project brief to your more mature students. I like that. I like that. See what they come up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And see, I mean, I would say even if you're not... Um, especially strong in your like graphic imagery. Cause I know this went out like to, to graphic designers and advertisers, et cetera. But the number four convincing companies to close yeah. their offices, you know, like you can do that through phone calls and through letters as well. There's other ways that you could do it, but this, these four ways are really inspire people to donate. Again, you could use your own personal social media platforms to help inspire people to donate. Yeah. Have a talent show, raise money, have a bake sale. Yes. Have have a cookie baking contest. Yes. So many creative ways. Absolutely. Rely on credible news sources and support credible charities, donate to credible charities. I want to remind you of a spark that I shared on an earlier episode of this very podcast. It's a little formula that my meditation teacher, Emily Fletcher, hi Emily, hi, shared Emily. with me on November 9th. 2016. Remember those dark days when I was freaking the fuck out. It's a four-step formula and it goes like this. Step one, pick a pressing issue, pick a need in the world, pick something that really lights your wick. It can be big. It can be small. It doesn't have to impress your friends or neighbors. Mm -hmm. 
we know there's a lot, just pick one. Step two, this is important. You have to absolve yourself of the responsibility for the millions of other issues on the planet. That's right. It's important to be informed, but if you aren't going to do anything about a particular issue, don't get trapped into thinking that you have to have a solution or a reaction to every crisis. It will only make you spin your wheels and it will wear you out. Step three, ask yourself, what are my unique gifts and talents? Ask yourself, where does your creativity lie? You probably have a lot of gifts and talents if you're listening to this podcast. Maybe pick one or two that you're really feeling. So let's review. Step one, pick a pressing issue. Step two, absolve yourself of saving the world. Step three, define your gifts and talents. And step four, ask yourself, which of these gifts do I want to use right now? Not which gifts should you use, but what do you want to use? Now let's put it all together. I actually woke up with this this morning. Mm. This is what I woke up with. We have a client who we love who is really becoming a thought leader in the NFT and the Web3 space. So we're going to use them as an example. Mm -hmm. Right now, if you're a gifted teacher who is passionate about NFTs and global refugees and has strong ties to the Broadway community, how about you create an NFT with your Broadway buddies Mm -hmm. and then you educate people about what the fucking NFT is Mm -hmm. and you get their attention by using the talents of your Broadway friends Mm -hmm. and you make you make a lot of crypto auctioning off those NFTs and you send it directly to organizations who support refugees, organizations that you know firsthand because you've done so much work with refugees. That is correct. That's real specific, but for the right creative individual, it's at the crossroads of all those things that are important to them. So it's, it is that like, what do I know about? What are my skills and talents? Also, what do I, or who do I have access to? Yeah. So in that example, it's like, oh, wait a second. I have not just my skills and talents. I have a group of friends with skills and talents. And if you're listening to this podcast, we suspect you probably have very talented and skilled friends. If you're listening to this podcast, I bet you roll deep. I bet you roll deep. Yes. You have access to so many resources. I mean, we all do what we have access to in this country is beyond. And so if we just ask ourselves, what could I contribute? That's right. So if you are so moved by this or any other sort of creative idea that bubbles to the surface for you in support of these folks in Ukraine who are just taking a beating or anyone, any any cause in the world, any person, any animal, any anything that is important to you, pick a thing that really lights you up. Take your skills and your gifts and do something about it. And I'm going to say, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. There is no one busier or lazier than me. <laughs> but if I want to contribute to change, I have to do something. If you want to contribute to change, you have to do something. So we urge you to pick a thing. Pick a thing. And then do it. Take some action. And that is my spark. Think of how good it's going to feel. It's going to feel good to put your skills and talents and the resources you have access to towards something that you believe in. It is. It's just simply is going to feel good. It's wonderful. I'll tell you today when I was messaging with an artist in Ukraine who I had uh, purchased 
uh, something from Etienne and they sent me pictures of their family and those little kids were like, are they safe? They looked like they did not want to have their pictures. They were like little kids that were like, ma, I don't want to have my picture taken. But they, uh, it's just like, I felt great. I felt great that hopefully I was communicating directly with a creative on the other side of the world yeah. who um, had been displaced by this conflict and could use some support, monetary support and just support, support. Suze, this was a fantastic spark and you are lighting a fire for me as well. I need to do the same and ask myself, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah. I'm going to do something. It's a creative brief. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Ah, sparklers, we love you. We're so privileged to get to make this. I'm so, so present <sighs> to, the, to the fact that so many artists who want to be making their work can't be making their work right now because of disruptions to their lives because they live in areas that are torn by conflict because their voices are suppressed by their governments. And frankly, being able to create works of art is a privilege and a luxury that when your physical safety is in danger, is just simply not something that you may be able to do. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you for the privilege of getting to make this podcast. Thank you for your collaboration, Laura Camion. I'm so glad that you and I are free and safe and healthy. What a gift. Amen. What a Thank gift. Thank you. Thank you so much for this spark, Suze. <sighs> and, you know, I would love to hear from people if they are motivated to do something. I'd love to hear what people do, how they apply their skills and talents. Would love, uh, mm -hmm. love, 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 love to hear it. Yep. You know, something that I didn't talk about in this episode, but I also loved is when we were little, my parents would take us every year to something called the World Affair, which was there were all these booths set up around the Dayton Convention Center. Oh, fun. Each booth was a different country and you could go and you could eat food, taste yes. candy, look at the handicrafts, look at the garb and see the dances and hear the songs of all of these countries from around the world. And I just remember with such fondness, like seeing the creative, the music, the dancing, the, the handicrafts of the people of Ukraine. And so all of all of you Ukrainians and the descendants of Ukrainians just know that we appreciate you and we are holding you in our hearts. Mm -hmm. All right. Amen. That's it. That's it. This episode of the spark file was made on the lands of the Lenape people. And as always, we hope it put another bunch of sparks in your file. Hey, listen, if there's a spark you'd like us to explore, or if you'd like to learn more about how to coach with us to bring your creative ideas to life, you can email us at thesparkfile at gmail.com or submit it through our website, thesparkfile.com. We will even happily take your feedback, but you should know by now there is a price <laughs> of admission. First, you got to share a creative risk that you have taken recently. 
oh, also submit any anything, any creative acts you've taken inspired by this episode. We'd love to hear it, like Laura just said. You can also follow us on social media at The Spark File and be sure to subscribe, rate, and five-star review this podcast. It really helps other listeners to find us. Also, if you like this podcast, we do hope you'll share it with people that you love. And if you didn't like it, we'll let it go. I'll let it go. There's more important things happening in the world. Yes, indeed. If something lights you up, though, and gets your creative sparks flying, we are writing you a forever permission slip to make that thing that's been knocking at your door. It's your turn to take that spark and fan it into a flame. You know, you got to take it and, and make, make it. it. Take it and donate it. We love you, Ukraine. We love you, Ukraine. When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark files. Could be something that I want to make or how I want to be. I pump it in my spark files. I jump into my spark files. Let's open up the spark fire. Hi friends, it's Susan Blackwell from The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creativity where our doors are open. And if you smell something delicious, that's because Laura Camion and I have been cooking up something special, something designed to make a big difference in people's creative lives. Enter The Brave Creative, a free, five-day guided adventure to rediscover the vitality, energy, and possibility in your creative process. Whether you're a writer, a performer, a baker, a candlestick maker, navigating the creative process can be a bear. But never fear, there's power in numbers at the Spark File. So let's link arms and make the trip together. It's May 13th through 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern, less than one hour per day. And if you can't join live, don't worry about it. You can watch the replay. Join us by going to thesparkfile.com to register. And hey, if you're not familiar with the Spark File, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Secondly, we work with hundreds of creatives of all different kinds who are ready to take their next big step. We help folks fear less and create more in a community that is so fun and vibrant. And if you have joined us before, know that we are going deep with the Brave Creative. So buckle up, Buttercup. It is going to be an awesome adventure. Go to thesparkfile.com to register, but do it soon because it all starts May 13th. Thesparkfile.com. Register now. Register now.